The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Happy 2012, everyone. I'm Janine, the host of Get the Funk Out, right here at KUCI, 88.9 FM. And if you're new to the show, this is all about inspiring stories. There are a lot of great guests I have on the show, and they share stories of inspiration. So let's say you've lost your job or you're, you're starting a new chapter in your life. There are all kinds of things that are going on in this world, good and bad and uh, there's a lot of stresses, obviously, right now. People have been out of work for a very, very long time. They're starting new chapters. It's very scary. And out of all that, out of all the craziness, there are some very, very inspiring stories that I think will touch you and inspire you as well. And starting off the new year, I have special guest Jenna Torres, who will be joining us in just a second. And she's a native New Yorker, and she's going to talk about music, 9-11, because she was there when that happened, and how that impacted her as a singer-songwriter and just personally, and all the things she's been through, the different funks in her life and how she's coped and actually come out on top. So uh, I'm here every Monday, right here on KUCI 88.9, right at 9, and if you have a guest that you think would be great or perhaps you'd like to be on the show, just send me an email at Janine, that's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. Good morning, Jenna. Good morning, Janine. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and to everybody who's listening. Aw, thank you. <laughs> you know, I love having you on my show. I, I think I had you on a long time ago uh, when I was here at KUCI doing the Moms Rock the House show. And yep. you're very, very inspiring. And I, there's a lot of stuff we'll touch on today. But I want to find out how long you've been singing. Well, I guess I've been singing. You know, I, I feel like singing is something that people do their whole lives long um, in terms of, like, singing professionally or yes. singing. You know, when I was about 14 years old, I started singing in a band in school. And then nice. I just I kept right on going. You know, it never really stopped. It's been a continuum of singing. And I think the, the thing that is interesting about being a singer is, you know, the search for your own voice, the, you know, finding the voice that you really need to use to express you know, who you are. Because so when true. you're young and you're listening to all kinds of people, you think, well, maybe I should be like this person or that person. And so the quest for my own voice, I think, has been a really interesting process. That's great, as opposed to just trying to mimic someone. And Yes. You know. Uh, now, I met you, I believe, through Mama Palooza. I'd heard uh, your CD, Summon Your Love, which I love that title <laughs> track. And yeah, I love that's the whole an CD. oldie. <laughs> and when, when was that put out? Oh my gosh! You know, honestly, I I think maybe um, two thousand. Well, okay, that record mm-hmm. is it two thousand and two, maybe. Okay. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm not very good with dates. That's but, okay. Um, That's okay. okay. Yeah. And so you started singing in this band at fourteen. Was it something that you just always had the you know aspirations to do, or did someone else encourage you to do that? I. I, I I just needed to sing, you know. Mm-hmm. I needed I needed to sing. I needed to 
let my voice be heard. And um, I think I did that in a number of ways growing up. You know, um, I I guess we all need to to be heard, and uh, perhaps some of us more than others. I, particularly if you feel that your voice is not loud enough, maybe you know, as a young person, uh, singing actually helps because you can maybe be heard above the crowd. That's great. And you grew up in New York City? Um, I did grow up in New York City, and, yep, this is my hometown. I love it, because I, I grew up in New York as well. I don't know if I had told you that. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I grew up on the east side, 86th Street, and uh, it was funny. I just took, we went back there, I guess it was several months ago, and I took my kids to see where I grew up, and we actually... Um, snuck past the doorman, <laughs> went upstairs, and I showed oh my them God. yeah my apartment building, um, the actual you know apartment, and um, they were like, "Ring the doorbell, ring the doorbell." I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> Hi, we're this you know, crazy family. We came to check out the apartment. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was did, neat. It was did a, you actually get inside the apartment? No, I wish I had, but I didn't want to freak out the people that lived there. Like, you have great security. Thanks for letting me sneak in. <laughs> But, you know, that is so amazing just to smell the hallway, the apartment building, to oh walk gosh. through the, you I know, know. The, was it a lobby? Was it an apartment building? Yeah, it was or? a lobby. It's uh, East 86th Street, 2nd uh, uh-huh. Avenue. And, uh, yeah, just to walk in there and feel like you're, you know, eight years old again um, is That's really something. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It was a interest- it's a great area. I, I wouldn't want to live there again, but I, it was fun while I was there, so... There's a great song that actually, I think, in country music was the song of the year um, called The House That Built Me by Miranda Lambert. Mm-hmm. And it really is about, you know, going back home and just sort of touching the soil and the walls and the, you know, everything that went on. And I do think that wherever it is that you grew up ends up, you know, having a tremendous impact on how you turn out. So right. um, it must have been a cool experience for you. It was. It was. And, I mean, New York's an amazing city. It's amazing. Now... I want to talk about uh, your, you know, your whole career as far as mm-hmm. music. Did that really take off as far as in New York City? Were you playing out a lot of gigs? You know, my career in New York City has been interesting. Um, I feel that, to some degree, the genre that most suits me doesn't necessarily suit the city I live in. Really? So, yeah, um, I've been through, I mean, starting in high school, I was in rock bands, and then I was in hard rock bands, and then um, I was actually in disco bands, and then I was a background vocalist for a number of um, sort of folky rock performers, and um, I, I did a lot of really interesting and wonderful things, but ultimately, the the music that I make, I think, is not necessarily, you know, for particular particularly for a New York audience. New York mm-hmm. audiences tend to like, um, I guess they like more indie rock kind of stuff. And right. I just have always had a, a country-ish vibe to, to my stuff. And um, I certainly have had fantastic experiences playing in New York, and I've played and played in New York. I love to play in New York, and uh, it's great. But I also feel like the music that I make is for New York. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's for people, and um, right. you know that's that's my hope. Well, I think your messages reach out to a lot of different people in New York. But I see what you're saying. I was reading your bio, and you were saying you're a cross between Sheryl Crow and Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, yes, on on my best dream day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Now, yeah, I guess um, you know, I I just need to sing, I just need to sing my songs, and I try not to think about you know where where they belong or who they belong to. I just make them in the hope that they belong to as many people as will have them. Mm-hmm. By the way, are you on a cell phone? I am. Okay, Is you're it okay. You're breaking up a little bit, just a drop. All right. I want to make sure Let's... you're you're heard the whole show because you got a lot of great okay. things to share. Um, mm-hmm. Now. You were, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, because uh, the whole theme of the show is Get the Funk Out, but you were in New York on 9-11, weren't you? I was. I was so close, you know, I was almost close enough to to touch it. Um, I was standing on 6th Avenue and Bleecker Street, and for anybody who knows the landscape of New York City, it's it's just like a stone's throw. I just got chills, yeah. Yeah, from from right there. And uh, I was actually facing the World Trade Center's, the towers mm-hmm. as the first plane hit. I was standing outside my daughter's school. I had just dropped her off. It was a beautiful September morning, and I was talking to another mom and just looking out into the horizon. And, and there, and there it was. You know, I, we saw the first plane hit. It was just a bunch of parents that had just dropped off their children. And you know, actually, there were a few parents who worked in the World Trade Center who were kind of late for work, and because it was such a nice morning, and we were talking, and those people survived. You Thank know, that goodness! Day. Um, it was really something. Oh my gosh! So they're late for work. They're talking, mm-hmm. and what did you do? What did you? You must have obviously run back in the school and grabbed your children. I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, at first, I think. You know, everybody thought. I mean, just we thought it was an accident, mm-hmm. and uh, we we stood there for a few minutes. I mean, there were some parents who maybe sort of walked away, but I, you know, I just wasn't one of them. I stayed put, and you know, as soon as I started to feel that something was terribly wrong, I I ran in the school, grabbed my daughter, and and took her out, and yes. you know, the, as did the rest of us. But I mean, it was a process throughout the day for parents to come and pick up their children. You know, but the, for those of us who were there uh, at that very moment, you know, we, we grabbed our kids and and you know tried to find safety. And sure. It was really amazing. Oh, I, I, yeah. I like I said, I have chills because it's you know it's. I, I remember putting on the TV that morning and saying, "What is this?" You know. Yeah. So I can't imagine having your child in school. Yeah. And we stood there saying exactly that, like, "What is this? What, is what this? happened? What is that?" Right. You no. Know, and then, of course, when the second plane hit, it just everything. It was crazy, and it was you know for me, uh, it changed the world and it changed me. You know, I guess um, to be so close and to see something like that happen and to see my city you know, right. fall right. like that. Um, it, was, uh, it was a pivotal moment in my life, personal life. And, uh, you know, I took, it, I took it in. I took it in very deep, and I made some very difficult decisions that very day. It became so much became clear to me on that day. Tell me about, about that. And, Tell me about yeah. that, the decisions you made, if you want to share. Well, I'm, I'm happy to share. You know, even though it is deeply personal, I'll say that, you know, at the moment when I this happened, you know, I realized that life is is particularly short, and um, you have to do what you know is right in the moment because you may not have another moment to make those decisions. and And I did decide to end my marriage that day. It was, it was the day when I found strength to to do to take to to, to make the choice to to move on with my life. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I, of course, it took a lot. 
to build up to that day. Um, but that was the day when I knew that that I had to be strong, and yes. uh, and so I was. It's like survival, survivor mode. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We were all thrown into survival mm-hmm. mode, and as it turns out, my my at that time, my my husband and I, we we completely differed. Uh, you know, in the way that we reacted to the experience, it was interesting. You know, I mean, people were polarized on that day. You know, and. And when panic ensues, you see, you know, what people are made of to a large degree, and um, so true. And what and the kinds of choices that they make, and you know, when you're afraid, you know, you, you make you make a choice from a very kind of almost an animal instinct, you know, right. for survival. And um, you know, we all cope differently with with panic, but uh, I just knew there was something very deep and still inside of me that knew what I had to do that day. Mm-hmm. So that day which was a terrible day in the history of the world and of my beautiful city and of my personal life, was also a, a day when I'm, I'm, I found the courage of my convictions. So I owe a lot to that day. Which and, it's really interesting, Jenna, because some people could go in the opposite direction of completely curling up in a ball of fear and not knowing what to do, and you found the strength you know, to go off in a true. different direction. Yes, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. And I find that to be true. You could apply that to, you know, anything terrible that happens in your life. I mean, I think there's, there's frequently it's necessary to have a period of, of mourning and, you know, of depression. Mm-hmm. But I guess the difference, you know, between the way that I live my life now and the way that I lived my life from that day forward is that I don't, I don't stay down. I, you know, you may knock me down, but I mm-hmm. get up and I keep going. And I think prior to that day, I was I was down, and it was very hard for me to get up. But um, I, I feel like, you know, that it just woke me up and told me, you know what, just don't stay down, <laughs> you know, because yeah. so many things will knock you down. Right. And, uh, and right. the, the, the question is really, are you going to stay down or are you going to get up and keep moving? Yes. How would you... What would you say to people that are in that feeling of they're so down they can't get up? You know, I will. I would say this: <laughs> that um, I I really do think I know how you feel. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've I've been so down and so sad, and where things hurt so much that you feel like you can't get back up again. But I have definitely discovered that for me, um, the secret is in in doing something. You know, mm-hmm. I. I think doing things more than talking about them, more than thinking about them, action is just, to, it's become my, my greatest medicine. It's what I go to when I can't figure out what else to do. I try to take an action, no matter how small, mm-hmm. that, um, that moves me from one place to another, no matter how teensy tiny, you know, whether it's to put a stamp on an envelope or take a walk around the block, right. you know. Just anything that moves your energy from that incredibly painful, stagnant, you know, state of suffering to something else, you know, because you have to shift it from, and it's so, so very hard to do. Yes, Now, I would never tell somebody that it's not hard, because I know it's hard, but it's worth it, (laughs) because life does, you know, zip by, and um, I just think it is worth it to make the most of every day, because you just don't know how many you're going to get. Right, right. No, and life is filled with it's a roller coaster ride, you know, of ups and downs, and just how you deal with it. 
it is how you deal with it. And also, you know, the other thing I've come to realize is when it's good, it feels great, but it's not going to stay good. So you have to enjoy and celebrate the good moments. And when it's bad, it's not going to stay bad unless you hold on too tight, you know. Um, Things will shift and change when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. And you do have to kind of be awake enough to allow for those changes when they happen. And the bad is an opportunity for growth. It is. I mean, you know, as corny as it sounds and as as pissed off as I get sometimes that people say that to me when I'm feeling bad about something. Because who wants to hear that, you know, know. when they're feeling bad? You know, um, you kind of don't want to hear it. But ultimately, in retrospect, if you look back on all the suffering and all the difficult things, Mm -hmm. there really was something to gain from it. And there was something to learn. You just may not be aware of what it was until, until it's over. That's true. That's true. Now, you had a very interesting thing happen after 9-11. You went back to work, right? I did. I had, um, you know, I had a miraculous kind of turn in my life, which was basically that after 9-11 and the decision to uh, end my marriage and become a single parent, um, I took a job very shortly afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, working down at the where the World Trade Center had been. And... Uh, one, one actually one block from where the World Trade Center had oh been, so you could you could stand on the roof of the building and see the hole. And um, it was it was quarantined that area for quite some time. But but as soon as they lifted the rope, the job that I got myself was in real estate, and they sent me down to a building that was ninety seven percent vacant. So oh. there were three remaining tenants. Real you know, estate decided yeah. to come back. Okay, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm saying to myself, real estate I, that must have been. Incredibly difficult. Yeah. It was difficult, but you know what? The thing I'm, um, I like people, and mm-hmm. I like to make them happy. Like it makes me feel good to mm-hmm. to make people happy, and so finding a home is really important in people's lives. You know, it right. it, it gives people a sense of peace to to have shelter. Yes, and so I, although I don't think I'm, I was so good at the business side of things. I was very good at meeting people, being friendly and saying, I think you would love it here, or I don't know if you would like it. Maybe you should look further, you know. Um, You know, just matching people up with a place that's going to make them happy at the end of the day. And uh, that kind of worked for me. And and miraculously, I actually filled that building up because that was not an easy building to fill up. It It was a ghost town. I mean, not only were the Everyone had fled the area, and, um, you know, little by little, people came back to work there, but certainly the residents didn't want to come back to their homes. And this building, which was basically, you know, uh, just vacant, mm-hmm. um, was filled with apartments, uh, filled with belongings that people had just abandoned. They didn't even want to have a part of them anymore. They just said, I'm out of here, and, and that was it. And, uh, you know, some people oh. came back for their possessions, but most people did not come back to live. So the, right. so the building was empty, and it was my job to fill it. So what did you do? And, in, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you were going to ask me mm-hmm. about this next. Mm-hmm. You know, what did I do with my time? And, you know, the fact is that there was only a trickle of people who had come down there because it took quite a, a, a courageous soul to come down and want to live, yes. you know, in basically what was a war zone. And you know, be and somehow participate in the healing of this horrible wound that our city, that was inflicted on our city. So, right. you know, they were very special people who ended up taking those apartments. But for for quite some time, I I was alone and it was very quiet. And I just felt like every day I would go to work 
and just be surrounded by the sort of the souls of the departed. It was a very um, intense and spiritual experience, really, because even though it was empty, I just there was an energy in that building, and so I realized that really nobody was watching me as I sat alone in these giant apartments. By the way, they were mm-hmm. big because they were it was a loft building, um, and I just started bringing my guitar to work with me. And, uh, and writing songs. Wait, back up a and second. Were you always a guitar player? I was, Okay. Yes. You were I, I had been writing on the guitar for, for a while, but, okay. um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've been playing guitar probably since I was about 14. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started bringing my guitar to work and seeing what came out, and what, what ended up happening was that over a period of time I wrote a body of work that I, I realized, you know, these songs really needed to be recorded, whether or not anybody ever heard them, you know, um, and so I did record those songs, and, uh, and that, that, that record, or that CD, which I made about 50 copies of, mm-hmm. um, ended up, you know, I didn't really intend for it to be like a, a, a serious release, you know, I handed it out um, to a couple of people, mm-hmm. and as it turned out, um, Edgar Bronsman, the, the head of Warner Brothers, uh, heard the record, and, and he liked it, and he sent it around to some of his people, and lo and behold, um, somebody in Los Angeles, a, a wonderful woman named Judy Stakey, right. called me. I will never forget, you know, like where I was the moment I got that call, um, and said, I'd like to talk to you about your record. I, I actually really like it. I'm not sure what to say, but I want you to know that I like it, and if you ever come out to Los Angeles, I'd love to meet with you. And you're like, I'm coming and, next uh, week? <laughs> that, well, you know what? Between that phone call and the yeah. time I went out there, uh, like uh, there was like another six months that passed or something. And during that time, a couple of other things happened that really made me a much more viable entity in terms of the business. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was writing for a kids group that got signed to Sony at the time. And I also uh, recorded four more songs with a, a formidable producer and um and I've been working with a guy named Matt Keating who's absolutely wonderful. Then Gary Maurer uh, of Hem, a band called Hem, came on board and and, and we did four more songs and I sort of tagged tacked them on or tagged them on to the record, stuck them onto the record, right. which was it went from like nine songs to um to eleven or twelve songs and Beautiful. Or eight, and and then I, I went to Los Angeles. <laughs> I said, you know what, I'm going. And I said, you know, I'm coming out. I'd love to meet with you. And, um, and I met with her, and we had an incredible meeting. You know, it was one of those, we laughed, we cried, we hugged, we listened to music, wow. we hit it off. And um, I was only in Los Angeles for two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually went out for my birthday. I should tell you that. You know, I decided my sister lives in LA, and I'm like, you know what? I'm coming out for my birthday, and I'll nice. have this meeting. Okay. And um, I turned around, got on the plane, and by the time I got off the plane, there was a message saying, um, "I've already spoken to your lawyer, and I'm offering you a deal." And <gasps> it changed my life. Oh my and, gosh! You know, yeah, it was great. Unbelievable. <laughs> it was really great. How did how did um, the gentleman from Warner Brothers get a hold of your CD? You know, it was passed from one person to another, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it remains a little bit of a mystery, but, you know, somehow or another great mystery. That it's a great mystery. Yeah. So you've got a song we could listen to, uh, Done Trying. Do you want to tell me about that? Well, this song is really about, you know, when you've reached your limit, and um, 
You know, I, I think it's important to know when to let go and when to walk away. It's mm-hmm. a very, very hard, I find it's a very hard thing to do. Because when I give my heart, I usually give the whole thing. I don't leave any out. And uh, it's hard to to um, to know when when to say goodbye. But this particular song, I'm ready. That's and so that's, that's what it's about. And, and in a way, you know, it does refer to my experience um, when I knew that it was time. Beautiful. Goodbye. Yeah, by the way, for those just tuning in, uh, my name is Janine, and we're talking with Jenna Torres, calling in live from New York City. And we're going to take a listen to Done Trying, and then we'll be back with uh, Jenna Torres just after the break. It used to be funny, but it's lost its charm. Pulling and tugging. Twisting your arm I smiled and I laughed And I played for two Hoping that I Could inspire you The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. This is Anthony Hopkins with an important message about cancer prevention and treatment. Did you know that the right foods can help prevent this frightening disease? New studies show that fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and other high-fiber vegetarian foods reduce the risk of certain cancers, and they may even improve survival. Visit cancerproject.org or call 866-906-WELL. Brought to you by the Cancer Project, a non-profit organization advancing cancer prevention and survival. Eight, I deliver your Sunday paper every week. Seven, we work on the same floor. One in eight Americans is struggling with hunger. Six, our kids walk to school together every day. Including millions of children and seniors. Five, we chat in the elevator at work sometimes. Four, I'm your cashier at the grocery store. Who's the one in eight in your life that needs help? You can make a difference through Feeding America at feedingamerica.org slash one in eight. A public service announcement brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Janine. You're listening to Get the Funk Out Show, and we are back live with Jenna Torres calling in from New York. Jenna, that was a great song. Was that song done trying um, really about uh, when you ended your marriage? You know what? <laughs> it's um, it's a new song, and um, I have to say that as a songwriter, when I write, I feel like I write from collective experience rather than specific experience. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I, I definitely feel that it, it speaks to what happened in my marriage. And, uh, but I also know that there are times, there are other times when I've had, I've reached that point where I know that I've given it all I've got and, and I really shouldn't be giving it anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as a, as a woman who's lived for a while, you know, I've had more than one experience where I've realized, you know what, this, this isn't working out and, it's time to move on. So um, it definitely does refer to my marriage, yeah. but it also refers, you know, to a few other experiences I've had since then because it's been quite some time. Very powerful song. I can see how a lot of people listening could relate to that. I'm so glad. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really a thrill to share music with people. Songwriting for me is, that's just my favorite thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, 
it makes me feel so good when I've struck a chord. And I think one of, like, the highest compliments as a songwriter for me is when somebody says, you know, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it's such a good feeling to know that, you know, I can say something and somebody else can say, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're I talking get that. about. Yes, yes. Now, where have things gone since you were with Warner Music? <sighs> Well, um, you know, Warner Music and and Judy Stakey gave me this incredible opportunity. And uh, Judy really decided that um, I belonged in Nashville as a writer. And so I started going down there regularly and writing with incredible people. And the learning curve is very steep in Nashville. They don't mess around. It's, It's a city that's built on a reverence for song. I learned so much of having that opportunity. It was just incredible i I loved it and and i continue to to love everything that you know that represents for me um so my career is actually doing pretty well right now in that i actually have a top 10 song on the billboard charts um it's it's uh, by a band called for king and country yes go ahead and i said congrats that's amazing thank you (laughs) i know it's kind of crazy you know you Crazy As good. a songwriter, you think, I wonder if I'll ever open up the pages of Billboard and, you know, see one of my songs, and, and there it is, and it's been steadily climbing. It's, it's up to number eight right now, Beautiful. and you guys should definitely check it out. The name of the band is For King and Country, and the song is called Busted Heart. It's a, it's a wonderful song, and um, I'm really, really excited about it. The band is fantastic, and people are just falling in love with them, so it's pretty cool. Congratulations. That's what an Thank accomplishment. You. And the song you just heard, Doug Ryan, uh, uh, along with the song you'll hear at the end of the show, um, is a group of songs that I've been, you know, putting together for the last year, and I'm about to put out a record of my own, so I'm excited about that, too. And where are you playing out in New York? Well, um, I've been kind of re- only recording, writing and recording for the last six months, and, mm-hmm. and actually this summer I kind of took I took off from performing. I had some health problems that I that were very difficult for me and um, so I I kind of haven't been playing out as much and I'm really looking forward to to getting back out there getting in front of audiences especially with this new material it's great it's great and you're okay now I'm okay now okay. Um, I'm okay now but I have to say that it was really scary and you know it was just another time in life just like what we were talking about earlier you know, when you, you kind of don't know, um, you don't know how long the good stuff's going to last, and when it, when it, the bad stuff hits, you have to, and this was a bad thing that, that lasted a while, mm-hmm. so, so I kind of had to devote a lot of time, because health can just consume you, you know? Right. You know, I know it's, people say, you know, you don't have anything if you don't have your health, and guess what? That's right. You know, they're... They're right. That's right. So um, it can really, it can take the focus of your life off of all the wonderful things you've been doing the day before, and all of a sudden, bam, you know, you don't get to do and focus on the stuff that you love and that gives you pleasure. And when you're so, so, excuse me, when you and I talked about this offline, but when you're so scared and you're so caught up in that worry, it's hard to even imagine uh, the happy times and like, am I going to come out okay? And and to shake yourself free of that. Yes, it's absolutely true. And, you know, um, I don't know, maybe it's too soon to talk about it, but, you know, the song at the end of the show, which we're going to play, mm-hmm. is called Miracles Happen. And, you know, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to include it in this show is because um, I feel that you, when things are, you really don't know life. Life 
life happens and mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to happen next. I right. mean, it's just true. And you don't know when the good stuff's going to come and you don't know when the bad stuff's going to come. And I was going through this incredibly dark period of, you know, this summer of not knowing when, you know, whether my health was going to be in good shape, which, by the way, I'm in great shape now. Everything's great. all good. Great. Um, and then literally I, I had to have an operation, and once that was done, the next day the phone rang, and I was told that I had a song on the billboard chart. So what? they came together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, this horrible thing that I had to go through, and then the next day I got this phone call. You know, that, guess what? You know, one of your songs has actually made it into the into a place that, you know, into the firmament, you know, where, wow. where only, you know, great songs get to go. And uh, I, I was just so thrilled by that, and it lifted my spirits, and, you know, I consider it a small miracle. And, you know, I guess, I mean, miracle is a big word, mm-hmm. but I do like to use it regularly just because I feel like, you know, I believe in everyday miracles, right. and I believe, you know, pretty much each breath we take is a miracle, and, you know, just being being alive and having the opportunity to to have both good and bad things happen is something that I cherish. Um, I'm really happy to be here, even when I'm not happy, and mm-hmm. that's that's something you know that I try to remember. Right. Well, all the bad things have made you so much stronger. They really have. There's no doubt about it. You know, and it's interesting when you get that phone call. It's almost. It's so healing. You know, now you can really heal and feel good and get through all that bad stuff you're going through and realize, wow, you know, things are going to be okay. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think, you know, um, having the blessing of being a songwriter is that I, I really, I get to recycle all of my emotions. I mean, that's one of the beauties, beauty, that is the beauty of being a songwriter. You know, I go through stuff. But it's not wasted. You know, mm-hmm. I try to put my experiences into my songs. And, um, and you know, I tell people I have a green heart. I just, I recycle <laughs> everything. <laughs> I like that. If, if, if it goes in, I, I find a way to get it back out again and share it with people. You know, and when you recycle a, a negative experience or something sad that's happened to you, somehow or another it transforms it into something positive, you know, mm-hmm. um, particularly, you know, in music. Uh, when you can talk about the stuff that, you know, really appears to you or hurt you, uh, somehow it, it's an antidote to, to the pain and suffering. So, right. you know, that's, at least that's how I look at it. You know, I know from, from the time I was very little, sad songs always made me feel good, yes. you know. So um, I think it's, it's just, I feel lucky that I get to do that. That's fantastic. You know, we all go through these periods of, you know, like I said, roller coaster ride. And I remember living in Boston and feeling really down and very depressed and very lonely. And I, was, I got into guitar. I actually tell the story how I started guitar at 10 and then I put it off. And it's kind of like a relationship. Like you, you break up, you get back together again kind of thing. It's so true. It right? absolutely is like a relationship. I it think is. about that all the time. It's true. It yep. is. And so I... Uh, was in a long-term relationship. It wasn't a good one. And then we, we broke up, and I kept having these dreams. I was playing guitar, and I was really good. And finally, after, like, the third night of having these dreams, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And the next morning, I went out, and I signed up for guitar lessons with my teacher, oh, who great. I continue to know now. And I stayed with it for nine years through being pregnant. And it was the best thing. It was just, like, therapy and fun. And I remember trying to write like a blues song about how upset I was, but it was very cathartic. I didn't really know mm-hmm. what I was doing, but but it was just really cathartic to be playing, and um, I didn't feel alone. I was living alone, but I had the best 
time just kind of getting to know myself kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. And a guitar is very good company. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess for people who don't have the, the benefit of playing an instrument or being able to write a song, it's still worth it to find a way to, you know, get it out. Like, just like your show says, you know, get yes. the funk out. Right. I don't know what it is for everybody. It could be something different. But um, I, do th- I do think it's worth it to try to figure out what it is, you know, that, that makes you feel better. Yes. And as you said, just doing something. And my something yeah. was, you know, signing up for guitar lessons. I felt so much better. I had actually lost right. my job, too, at the same time. And no. I was like, i got to throw myself into something. I just need, I need something for myself. Yes, absolutely. You know? And, and I think as women, we go through all kinds of different phases where, you know, particularly as, as mothers, we, you know, we, our children take up a lot of the space in our lives, and then there are moments when we, you know, when we have to let go and, and there we, we have to find out who we are all over again. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely worth it to explore, you know, your own creativity, your own voice, your own kind of expression, whatever it is. I mean, I, I know that applies to men and women. I just think women have, you know, our, our path is not so linear and, uh, you know, we end up having our peaks and valleys, I think, you know, maybe a little bit more extreme sometimes because of what we, we end up going through uh, in the process of bringing children into the world. Right. I mean, can you imagine? I don't know how old your child is now, but she's a big girl. <laughs> how old yeah. is she? It's my daughter is eighteen years old. Oh my gosh! I had no idea. Yeah. I thought she was yeah. much younger. But can you imagine your life without this creative outlet? What would you be like? You probably can't even I, imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I'm so so grateful for it because, just like you said, I don't feel alone. You know, I keep myself very good company. My songs keep me company. My guitar keeps me company. And um, it's it's very, very important to to be able to cultivate the mm-hmm. relationship you have with yourself, you know. Right, right. I had a very sad thing happen last year. I lost a friend of mine. And I know she didn't have a creative outlet. I, I know from talking to those around her and... And, you know, some people can soothe themselves with whether they're uh, medicating, they're drinking, whatever they're doing, but a creative outlet is a whole different story. It really is. I agree. I mean, because I think it siphons off some of the stuff that we get so mired in and so that overloads us, you know. I mean, I actually, I personally like to knit and crochet, and I find that when my hands are busy, it relaxes my mind. You know, I mean, which is why I think any kind of manual labor or maybe cooking or, you know, gardening or those kinds of things also um, are very satisfying and, you know, they help people feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, for a man, I don't know, maybe it's like, you know, doing, um, you know, mowing the lawn or jackhammer or whatever, carpentry or working in the, you know, uh, fixing things. And, um, you know, I do think that whatever way it is that you have, that you're able to sort of, I mean, I, because I'm an action person, yes. I don't, I'm not a good meditator, I probably never will be, um, I do find that certain types of activity for me act as kind of a living meditation or a moving meditation, so that sure. as long as I'm doing something, I can somehow release some of that, that stress and that, you know, 
I, you know what? I mow the lawn. I'm, and people you look do? at me like, you know, could we have a small lawn here in California? The lawns are so small. But I grew up mowing the lawn, and I actually like it. I, it's exercise, and it just it feels good. Oh, yeah. And we have an electric lawnmower, too, which is kind of cool. So, um, you know, you plug it in. I completely relate to that because yeah. one of my proudest moments is the fact that I sanded the floor in my apartment. Whoa. And it's serious. I don't know if you've ever, like, mounted a sander, but it's like, I don't know how much horsepower no. it has, but it can take you for, it could take you right out the window if you're not careful. Whoa. It's so strong. And um, I I actually did it myself, and it's not really what you would say, call woman's work, <laughs> but uh, it was, and every time I walk in my door and I see my shiny floor that I, you know, sanded and polyurethaned. Uh, all by yourself, I, I Jenna? All I did it all. Oh I didn't intend to do it all by myself. At the time, I had a boyfriend who mm-hmm. was going to be helping me with it. And they delivered this gigantic machine to my door, and <laughs> he got a job and had to leave. And, you know, we rented it for, like, two days or something. And I was left alone with the sander, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do this thing. And I put my mind to it, and I actually did it. And, you know, it, it remains a very proud moment for me. Truly really funny. And then when he came back, you broke up with him. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, was I was it. joking. I don't need you anymore. I, was I can stand my own floor. <laughs> I was actually joking, but I could I could see doing that. I mean, it's you know you you realize I don't need you, and I did this all by myself, and bye bye. Well, you know what? I'm a single mom. I I open jars. I I make I make sure I I open and close the windows. You know, I do all the stuff that I would say, honey, could you get that? Could you do this? All those things that you know you might jobs that you might give to a husband. I've had to learn to do by myself, and, you know, there's always that moment when you think, I'll never get this open or I'll never be able to handle it, and somehow or another, you know, I get through it. So yeah. um, it, it is good to know how capable you are. I think it's, it's important. Right, right, absolutely. Whether you're in a marriage or not. But. <laughs> well, it's good to push yourself. Yes, You know, it's it good to say, because so many times there's this quote I live by, George Eliot, it's never too late to become what you might have been. It's like, oh, I love that. It's not too late to go and try those things that you think you can't do. I completely agree with, with George. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, oh, there was a quote I put on my Facebook page not long ago. I'm really bad with remembering stuff, but um, I think it said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Dolly Parton, who's my favorite, and she said, find out who you are and then do it on purpose. And I, I love that. You know, like, figure out what it is that you really need to say and do, and then just do it on purpose. Right. Don't question it, you know, which, by the way, I still do. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm utterly fallible and, uh, and vulnerable, but, you know, I've just learned to do it anyway because I think it's, it's just so important to do it because, you, you know, now's the time. That's beautiful. Now, i got to tell you something very funny. I have Facebook up, okay. and people have been sending me messages about you, and um, we just talked about my guitar teacher. His name is Jim. Yes. Okay, so he just sent me a message. This is so funny. He says, hey, Happy New Year, long time. Just checked out Jenna Torres. She sounds great. She has a song called I Can't Kiss Me. Yes. Ready? Tell her if she still needs a man. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> He'd like to you know, meet like, you. I mean, that song is like my personal ad. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Well, I, truth is, I, I do still need a man. So, um, oh, know. he's a great guy. He, he said, uh, "Hope the new year brings you brings you and all uh, more than you hope for." So, I'll send him a message. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, he's, I think he's in Boston now, but he comes to New York, and he's an amazing guitarist. Oh my goodness! Well, there there can never be too many good, wonderful guitarists yeah. in my life. So yeah. definitely. 
send him my way. How funny. We were just talking that about him. That would be a treat. Mm-hmm. I would love to meet him. That's great. Now, uh, is there anything else you want to add? We have a couple more minutes, and then we'll get into your last song, Miracles Happen. Um, well, let's see, Janine. What do you think? Any advice you want to give people who are, you know, we talk you know, about No, I, I hesitate to, to sound like I know what I'm talking about, because right. what I think I really want to say is that um, I... It's still hard. Life is life is hard. I there are days when I'm just not sure, you know, what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it, or sure. if it's good enough or I, if I'm good enough. But I'm going to just go back and I want to repeat myself and say that the difference between the way that I used to live my life, and I will say one thing: I lost my brother too. Oh, and sorry. you know, when he when he died, it became very very clear to me that you know I had to live like absolutely live. So. So when the morning comes and I wake up and I look at what, you know, that I get another day mm-hmm. to do whatever it is that I can pack into that day, I really try to make sure that it's a, it's a lived day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 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 it works for me. It's been working for me for a while. But that doesn't mean I don't have, you know, blue days, black and blue days, days when I just feel like nothing is working and it's not happening. I mean, I am pretty dramatic, you know, an emotional person, but I feel like... Um, I just feel like life is really worth putting all you've got into because it, you just don't you don't get to do it for all that long. So, it's true. So you know, I would say enjoy yourself as much as you possibly can. Find out what it is that makes you feel good and do that. Don't ask anybody else what it is. You know, that, that's one of the things that I try. Um, I try not to ask too many people what it is they think is right for me because finding out what's right for you is is a personal journey. Yeah, it's and subjective. If you're it, asking somebody what, you know, it's like, what ice cream should I like? You know, it's yeah, very subjective. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you get yourself in trouble because, you know, I mean, I was, I started out a real pleaser and ultimately it's not that I don't want to please people anymore, but I do need to choose my own flavor ice cream. You That's know, right. uh, I do need to choose what it is that works for me. And I think, you know, I actually think it's harder for women than for men or, you know, maybe that's a generational thing, but I, I, I do think it's harder to say what it is that you want and what you like and without fear of being rejected and, you know, kind of just be honest as much as you can, you know. I mean, I still struggle with it, but that's what I do and um, as best I can. And I think that uh, I'm just wishing everybody an amazing new year with all wonderful good things in it and trust that, you know, you really don't know what's going to happen next because I'm I'm living proof that you know the bad and the good can happen either simultaneously or you know right down the road, right around the bend, right around the corner, and uh, I feel like we shouldn't decide that life is bad when it it could any moment change and and be good. You that's know? right. That's right. And, and you, I have to open up and also look at what is so positive in my life. I mean, I. I had a tough year last year. A lot of things were going on, and I, I looked at my family and said, I am so blessed to have yeah. not only my immediate family, but all those that have come into my life over the past 10, 20 years who love me so much. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, it's true. I mean, I, and it's so easy to get you know, swept away in the negative and forget. Yes. That we are blessed, you know. So, yes, count, counting your blessings is a really important thing to do. Yes. And it's probably a good idea to, you know, either start or end the day with just thinking, gosh, you know, look what I have. You know, and, uh, right, right. I want to share one quote with you. I was just visiting sure. my sister in Sarasota, and she had this plaque outside 
um, her house. She's a coastal engineer, and the quote is, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. Oh, I love that. Isn't that, that great? Is so beautiful. I know. I took a picture Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. It's great. Yeah, I, I, that's really awesome. I, I, I love that. And, and she's absolutely right. So you know, we're, cause, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I do think that, that is, that's so key, you know, because we're sitting there thinking, when's this going to be over? When am I going to feel good again? And I guess the key is to just muster the strength to feel all right in that's the moment, right. whatever right. that moment holds. Now, before, I didn't want to forget to ask you, where can people find out more information about you? Okay, so, so I hope that you'll all come find me. I'm, I'm on Facebook. You know, I love Facebook. I'm, I'm just on there all the time, and it's, it's easy to communicate on Facebook, so it's kind of like an open channel. Um, my website, www.jennatorres.com, should be, like, if you go there now, it's just a bunch of links, but in just, in, I would say, in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be really nice, and there's going to be all kinds of stuff on there. So I hope you'll visit me now, but don't forget to visit me like two weeks from now because it's really going to be up and running, and um, I'm, I'm excited about rolling out the new website. And I will have a new record coming out and um, very soon, and you can find me. I have a couple of records on iTunes. I have lots of videos on, um, on YouTube. So basically, if you just Google Jenna Torres, it'll take you uh, various different places, and I really hope to make some new friends. So, you know, come and visit me. Beautiful. And we're going to wrap it up with Miracles Happen. And I thank you so much for coming on the show. And happy, healthy New Year. I know it's going to be a great one for you. Thank you, Janine. Same to you. Don't want to get up. Don't want to go out. Don't want to be brave. to do Close your eyes for a moment. Now imagine you're away from it all. Beside a crystal clear mountain stream, the cool grass crunches underfoot. Take a deep breath and drink in the sound of water cascading over the stones as birds call out from above. A real paradise like this isn't easy to come by, but it does still exist. And with your help, places like this one can last forever. You see, the Nature Conservancy works locally with communities, businesses, and people like you to preserve the most precious natural places around the world. They protect the animals that live there, the plants that grow there, and even the water. That way, this beautiful place will be beautiful forever. And we'll make sure that closing your eyes will never be the only way to get there. I'm Paul Newman. Help the Nature Conservancy save the last great places. Visit the Nature Conservancy at nature.org. That's nature.org.